nobody else is talking about this out there. Why is nobody else talking about this? I mean, seriously, <laughs> it's such a simple, easy thing to do. And yet, I, I like music, you know, I've, I've been to a couple of concerts, you know, and you say, what's your playlist for Road Rage? And they're looking at you like, what? <laughs> why would I do that? Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you knew that it had, if you, if you knew that mushrooms could do this, why wouldn't you use them? Right. It's like, wait, wait a minute, I still have to answer that question? <laughs> the amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Psilocybin Says. I am Eric Osborne. And I'm Courtney Rose. we got a really fun conversation for you today. This is one that Courtney and I have been looking forward to recording for quite some time. It is with a incredible human being and member of Sanctuary Church, Bill Protzman. I had no idea I would enjoy this uh, this conversation as much as I did. I learned so much about music and um, thought about it in ways that I've never considered before as far as healing and just how it affects our mood and the thoughts we think. Yeah, music is a tool for trauma recovery, music within the psychedelic space. Bill, is a, uh, I want to say a professional. He's beyond a professional. Music is Bill's life. He has been playing piano since what? He was really young. Oh my gosh. Like, I think he said like five years old or Mm -hmm. something like that. You'll hear it in the episode. I think he said his mother or grandmother taught him piano, um, but he's been all in. Yeah. He's got some incredible websites out there. He does work with prisoners. He does work with those who are dying. He's done so much incredible stuff with music. And now, after having his first psilocybin experience about, mm, I think, two months ago or so, he's looking at how he can bring his musical genius, quite frankly, into the psychedelic world. And we're having some conversations here since this episode about how that might play out with Sanctuary and for people who are outside of Sanctuary that just want to find a better way to utilize music within their psychedelic experiences. This is something that I have been, I don't know if resistant is the right word, but I've not often been a huge fan of music in the psychedelic space. Uh, And the conversations that we have here to some extent, support that. I mean, even Bill, as as much of a uh, musician as he is, recognizes the value of silence in the psychedelic space. Yeah, I thought that was very intuitive of him uh, as he was telling us about choosing the music that he wanted on his first uh, psilocybin mushroom journey and then realizing, you know what? I shouldn't pick the music. (laughs) I've got too much associations with my music, I'm going to just ask uh, the person holding space for me to pick a playlist. And I thought that was really intuitive. I mean, a lot of people, I don't think, really think that way or understand the impact of the associations they have with music they love. For sure. And that was one of the biggest surprises for me, hearing Bill say that after his psychedelic experience, he realizes that he doesn't know anything about music. Mm -hmm. It just illustrates what a thoughtful, conscientious, and like you said, intuitive person uh, Bill is. He's long been for me, so I've known about a year, maybe a little bit over a year now, and he's just been, I've just, I just see him as an incredible human being. He's, he's so sincere, he is so authentic, and he just, he just cares so much. 
And Bill has been through his own struggles. He talks about his near attempt with taking his own life and how music helped him get out of that very dark place and then allowed him to bring that light to others. So we are very sure that you're going to enjoy this episode a great deal, and it will probably give you a different way of thinking about music. And bonus, you'll also hear in this episode, Eric and I's sex playlist. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you'll ask so that question of keep us. listening. <laughs> and uh, <yeah>. you'll uh, <laughs> have another playlist to add to your own. <laughs> More like our massage playlist. But, it's you know. true, Eric massages Courtney playlist. <laughs> you will also find this episode on YouTube. Uh, we recorded via Restream, so... Uh, if you like seeing our facial expressions, uh, definitely head over to YouTube if you're not here already and check it out. Uh, like it, please comment, let us know what you think uh, and your experiences with music and how they've impacted your life and psychedelic experiences. Look forward to your feedback and enjoy the conversation. I really have enjoyed getting to know you. I think you had me. I was on the podcast with you and John. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Are you all still mm-hmm. running that show? You bet. Um, and a bunch of others, too. Oh, so really? I, I get to do a, a, I, I'm actually a conversational host. There's like two of us that discuss music, healing, and consciousness. And that's a AHO program now. So uh, there's there's lots of stuff going on with that. And it's really great to be a part of it. Yeah, I want wanted you to share as much as you can with our listeners in the time that we have. Uh, but since you're you're talking about music, healing, and consciousness, uh, just tell our tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into the work that you're doing. Right. So, <laughs> I've been a musician all my life. My mom was my piano teacher, right? So I was three years old, and supposedly there are there are photographs. <laughs> I was at the piano. Wow. But I didn't like it. You know, it's hard to do that, and. It took me until fifth grade or something before I had a satisfying performance that I actually felt was fun. And then I was hooked. And you know how it is when you get hooked on something. You just can't put it down, right? And, and it has been that way for me for I don't know how many years since then. A long time. How long has it been since fifth grade? I haven't counted. <laughs> <laughs> we can all so, guess. Yeah, you can, we all remember, right? Middle school. <sighs> so music sort of helped me... Um, find meaning for a long time through, you know, the turbulent teens and all of that stuff that you do when you grow up. And I've become very close to music. I grew up as a classical piano player, but I've also played ragtime and jazz and just, you name it, pop tunes, the whole thing. You just play it all when you're a piano player. So it's always been there, sort of not hovering in the background, but very present with me, whatever kind of music it is. And uh, I probably have a sort of a bias toward that that's not typical of many people, but I got curious enough about it, you guys, to want to know how it was working. And especially when I saw it working on people that were listening, like in the room, what's going on there? How does this stuff happen? And fortunately, around the same sort of period of time, it's been since the, well, for me, since the 60s, but we got some research going in the 90s and music therapy and neuroscience now uses music to investigate what's going on in the head brain. So there's been this wealth of research that explains how it is that music works on us. And uh, to to boil it all down, what I've discovered and and actually felt for myself, and I think anybody who brings their sort of focus to music will feel this, is that it works on us physically by changing our breath or making us want to move or changing our heart rate. 
And we just don't, we don't think about that, but that's happening, right? And it works on us mentally. Sometimes it can deaden intellectual thought. Sometimes it can inspire it. And uh, you all know the difference between house music and Mozart. You know, there, there's a difference. And, and thinking along to house music is more difficult. So that's why they play it in clubs. You don't have to think there. <laughs> right? You don't want to think about, no. you know, whoever you might be going home with. And, of course, <clears throat> sorry, emotionally. Have that, have that experience, unfortunately. This right? Weekend. Yeah, haven't we all? Well, well, we, we, well we knew who we were going home well, with. Yeah, we right, were happy yeah, about right, that. Right, 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 right. But most of the people right. in this place that we ended up at didn't know right. like, no. and, and, and the music is designed to do that. It works well with alcohol, right? So keep us from thinking. <laughs> so, and, and then, of course, <clears throat> you guys brought up the emotional side of it. When you get that, that feeling of joy, when you listen to music, I mean, who can listen to Pharrell Williams happy and not get happy? It's just, mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. it just like finds us emotionally too. And these aren't things that we think about doing. Oh, I'm listening to happy. Now I need to be happy, right? It's just, it gets into us. And thanks to neuroscience, we can explain how and why and trace all the chemicals. And, you know, we have all the science on explanation. But the real interesting thing to me is the predictive part. Because... I would like to know that if I played a particular piece of music, it would have a particular effect. And it does, but it's so individual that, you know, science is sort of strung out on this. Like, well, what do we know that we can generalize about? And I suppose we can generalize about 80% of the people might listen to happy and get happy and dance around, you know, and, and not think too hard. And that's perfect, but there are those who don't, right? And so it isn't a 100% thing. It's one of those things that you have to learn for yourself. Like, you really have to know for your own self how music gets into you. And then, of course, theoretically, choose music wisely for the purposes that you want, right? Which is what we're going to talk about here with mushrooms. Mm -hmm. But the other fascinating thing about music, and I don't think there's any other modality that does this, like in real time, is that music has a spiritual component. And... It's, I like to say spiritual, but if that doesn't work, then think of consciousness. There's like this unexplainable, unmeasurable part of what happens in music that allows us to um, spontaneously start singing for in a big concert, right? Or to, uh, to soften in a way that allows for more intimate connection. And this is just part of what music does. I suppose science will figure out how to measure that stuff one day. But that component of music is just as present as the physical and the mental and the emotional ones. And you can't have an isolated experience, right? You, you can't just have a physical experience. All the other stuff goes with it. Mm -hmm. Even the consciousness or spiritual stuff goes with the music that you're listening to. And that, for me, is fascinating because I happen to believe, right or wrong, that the answers we really need right now are the spiritual ones. And if we can master that, everything else will come with it. Like this whole uh, radical division that we find in so many ways going on in the earth. Uh, there's a spiritual opportunity there. And I don't think I'm alone in this because people who use mushrooms understand that. And uh, there are whole organizations out there that are focused on the spiritual well-being of all of us. Uh, like Richard Rohr's organization, which I can't remember what it's called right now. CIC stands for Consciousness Something. Um, but there are big organizations who are quietly and steadily uh, finding that they can help people who want a consciousness solution, a spiritual solution. 
Maybe it's returning to your faith. You know, for me, that was my journey. Uh, maybe it's finding something new, you know, learning to meditate. But it's so cool to be in this space right now and to be uh, sort of an advocate for the spiritual power of music because mm -hmm. it aligns with so much of what else is going on in the world. And of course, <laughs> I've known this for a while. So when Sanctuary got started, I'm like, oh no, I gotta be part of that. That's mm -hmm. the thing, right? That's one of the ways forward on this where so many people can find a way in on spirituality that they'd never been able to find before. Mm -hmm. I've talked for a while here. Let me shut up and ask if you have any questions. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I mean, you know, first thing's coming to my mind here as you're talking, you know, we went through your website uh, and it is so beautifully done and so obvious how rich your experience is and how deeply you've been involved in so many aspects of music as a wellness practice. And just looking at your website gave me a broader perspective on the applications of music. And so, I think you said that you, I know you've worked with veterans. I think you've worked with inmates and, and some prison recidivism. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about directly your experiences working in, in those capacities with music and the spiritual, mental wellness components and how they all fit together, what you've seen? I've been so blessed, you know, guys working with people who are at risk, uh, at a place where they know that they've been there and they're, they're like turning the corner, they want to come into something new. Uh, that is a beautiful place because most of the rest of the world isn't there. We're all like invested in, you know, the 24 things I need to do to be an entrepreneur or whatever it is. <laughs> right. And, and when you've been, when you're at rock bottom and that could mean blown up veterans with post-traumatic stress, it could mean homeless blown up alcoholic veterans with, you know, there's like, there's this at risk crowd that is ready for something new. And in that space, the willingness to try new things is very beautiful. And uh, I got started in that space by volunteering with an organization, still exists, it's nationwide, called Guitars for Vets. And they've, they've actually, the VA has studied this stuff. You put a guitar with a veteran, teach them to play, and their symptoms of post-traumatic stress, like double-digit reduction. And double-digit in the trauma world is huge. I mean, we rejoice over a single-digit reduction, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, since that time, things like EMDR have come along, you know, that thing where you get left-right motion. Mm -hmm. And uh, musicians do that all the time, especially drummers. So mm -hmm. there's been research that sort of aligns with the why on this stuff, but nobody understands why EMDR works, and nobody understands why playing the guitar does this stuff. It's like, but musicians do. <laughs> we get mm -hmm. it, right? It's the, the shared experience of making music that also opens up the opportunity to unpack some of that trauma, to let some of that stuff go. And you can't say, no, I'm going to play this song and the trauma is going to disappear. It's not like that. It's creating an environment in which all of those components that we talked about, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, uh, come into alignment with a modality that lets that stuff flow, lets, that, lets the energy that's been retained release. Mm. Music is all about tension and release. So releasing that, whatever the stuff you don't want is, Releasing that along with music is a very natural thing that, you know, human beings have done for, I don't know, millennia now. So it doesn't really matter what, what the symptoms look like so much, whether it's post-traumatic stress or homelessness or recovery. The process of engaging music with that, well, anytime you put an intention on something, right, you get the pop. So bringing music into alignment with your recovery practice or your uh, traumatic stress release practice as an intention, powers that intention physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually 
and you can't help but get results. It's almost a done deal, you know, when you start. Do you, do you ever encounter folks who are resistant? Like they come in, they think it's going to be a good experience, and then they maybe it brings something to the surface that's too problematic and they pull back? Or what, do you, what are your experiences there? Sure. It, it's hard to walk through, uh, especially release of trauma. Mm-hmm. And Guitars for Vets operates in environments where there is, you know, nearby psychological and psychiatric and medical help. So when I got started, I was working at Veterans Village of San Diego, stood up chapter there. And Veterans Village is residential treatment and recovery. And the idea there is to scrape you off the street and turn you into, back into a person who can go out and get a job. And they do it really well. And I was so privileged to be what they call adjunct treatment. Guitars for Vets is adjunct treatment, right? Alongside the other clinical interventions that were happening there. Uh, the same thing happens in prison. Uh, we have sort of a pilot prison project here where veterans are housed together in the same pod. And in that space, um, one of my good friends and performing partner worked with them with Tibetan bowls and meditation and teaching those techniques. And that was perfect alongside other th- the other things that were going on to help veterans um, not come back in, right? So when you put the music in that space, all of those things just amp. They just pop up. With specific resistance, there are people who just say, no, this isn't for me. Or they hit the wall and they're like, no, I can't go any further. It's too scary, you know? And that might be a true at a point in time, but it's never the end state. Mm. There's always something else that's available to move people forward. And maybe it's fly fishing. And for a while we had a, in fact, I think it's still around. We had a nonprofit in San Diego where veterans would re- literally go in and beat each other up. It was an MMA um, program. And when you're uh, physically beat up, it's a great time to open up. And mm-hmm. so after they went through MMA, they would sit in the rap, se- rap session and just sort of share stuff. And when you're open that way, whether it's through physical work or fly fishing or surfing or equine therapy or even music therapy or just playing a guitar for yourself, uh, the potential exists. So it's, you know, it's individual. You have to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. And if a guitar works, great. If smashing a guitar works, great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It really doesn't matter as long as you get away in on your resistance and, and that opens the door to the healing. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying wow. this as, you know, just somebody who's watched it happen. I don't know anything about this therapeutically or clinically. I'm not trained, but I can see it work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was, as we were reading through um, one of your websites, I think it was musiccare.net. Um, yeah, there's, there are a few. What was that? There are a few. Oh, yeah, there's a few. Yeah. <laughs> bless you for hanging with music care because that one is currently being revised and simplified. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, there's a lot of great content uh, within there. Um, but there's a page with questions that looks like, I think there are questions that were submitted uh, to you from different people. Yeah. And one of them was uh, from, I guess I'm assuming it's a woman, um, but I'm not sure. Um, but someone who was saying that she's a caretaker for her family uh, and she noticed that she doesn't want to, or they noticed that they don't want to play uh, happy music when they're caretaking. They want to play uh, more, I, I don't know how you term it, a sadder type of music, more sad uh, music. And I think she was asking, or they were asking why? Like, why is that? Uh, is that crazy? Yeah. I have a buddy who said something the other day that often the right thing is not always the intuitive thing. Hmm. And we like to intuit that if we're not in a mood we want, we can change it with music. And I agree with that. 
but it changes much quicker if you're able to release the mood you don't want first. Mm. So I think what that woman was getting at, I believe it was a woman, was saying, gosh, I'm in this incredibly stressed, um, multi-demand environment, and I want to be happy, but I've got to let go of the anxiety and the stress and the, the, the effects that I don't want to make room for that. And I find myself often in that place, you know. I'm driving down the freeway and somebody cuts me off. I need to release that. You know, I'm not safe when I'm driving angry. And to release that, if I can grab some metal or something and just let it go, I'm going to do that first. And then I get back to my cruising down the highway music, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not intuitive. <laughs> we think, oh, music can change my mood. And it can. But why stuff the old unwanted feelings? If you can mm-hmm. just let them go, flow and go with something that does that quick. Well, there's that sense of being able to, someone can identify with how I feel. We are tribal. We, we need that oh, community so recognition. So like someone else understands my pain. Uh, seems like a, an aspect of it as well. As, as we're sitting here talking, you know, this is, I, I haven't really thought about this coming into this conversation, but I noticed myself up through, I'd say up through college, that music was such an integral part of my life. It was just so important to me. And then somewhere along the line, it just kind of gradually seemed to have shifted. And I still like pick up a guitar every now and then, or like there's music that I identify with and, and feel, feel that kind of passion about. But like, what? why is that? Where did that go? You know, if it was yeah. something that, that felt so strong and I don't even have an identifiable marker where all of a sudden just it didn't do it for me anymore. I mean, it's not that it doesn't do it for me, but it just doesn't seem to have the same power. And I don't know if it's a, if I need to find a different genre or, or what that's really about, but I'm curious just what your thoughts are on something like that. You know, I've experienced that too, Eric. There's some times where I just don't want, don't want music, you know, and it's weird to say, but I will often go for weeks without touching the piano and be completely fine with that. Not because I replaced it with listening to music or something, but just because it's okay. You know, when I need it, it'll be there. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that that's also uh, true for a lot of people. I, the music that sort of forms us is the music of our adolescence and early adulthood. And when it's in there, it's sort of in there. It's in there for keeps, right? Mm-hmm. And I've often like remembered a snippet of a song that was important to me as a teenager and it'll come back and I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And, and chase it and see where it goes. Right. See what, see what I might've missed about that song the first time around. And when you do that, uh, songs can grow on you with such depth, especially, you know, like later in life, there's that magic, what do they call it? The second half of life moment where things change. And it's not about conquest and, you know, success and all of that. It's just more about of an introspective, um, I don't want to say a float, but that was the word that came to me, right? Mm-hmm. It's like being in the mushroom space. You just, you, you allow so much more in that second half. And uh, I'm probably somewhere near that because songs that I used to think of as sort of driving songs are now more of supportive songs. They just sort of help me stay in the space. So I imagine that at some point in your life that music will come back to you. 
but there's there, you know, there's nothing wrong with not having music around all the time. Mm. I don't, <laughs> you know, well, I use it uh, when I need it. You know, I did. I did have an experience the other day. We were in a, a plant shop and they were playing some. And was, you know, I, I enjoyed the music that was there, and there was a song that came on that was really it struck me. It was kind of a joyful celebration of love and life. And I went to the counter. I was like, what's the name of this song? I got to find it. And so now it's on my playlist. So I guess that it is there to some extent, but yeah, that kind of depth of passion that I used to feel for it, you know, going to concerts and just being like, Oh, this is where it's at. Uh, and I, and I guess I missed that in some ways. I mean, I find it in other aspects, but yeah, it's just something that I haven't really thought about. I was thinking as well um, when we were in that shop and you heard that song and you had that response to it. I thought to myself, gosh, I, I wonder if we weren't in this shop having this like whole experience of a day, mm -hmm. if you would have liked that song hmm. as much as you did. Because mm -hmm. I feel like it was kind of a different song than you, you might have. Uh, normally been attracted to but right. I just 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 like thinking about that the that environment the right. environment yeah. uh, that we're in when there's that sensation of sound uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can play a role well, you know and so much of what we're talking about already is kind of wrapping up within the psychedelic experience and it's there's yeah. so there's so much crossover here um, and you know Bill you recently had your first psilocybin experience so I am so curious how we can explore the impact of music in your experience, if you even had music in your experience and kind of how it's continued to unfold from there. I guess um, <clears throat> the bottom line that right up front, the psilocybin experience that I had is very like many music experiences that I've had. And I want to get into why and how and all that, because I did use music with the, the psilocybin journey uh, when you were talking just now, I thought, oh my gosh, maybe the point is that we have a spiritual way in. It doesn't matter so much what the way is. Maybe it's psilocybin or some other psychedelic. Uh, maybe it's music. Maybe it's meditation. It, it doesn't matter so much as the, the fact that we're doing that mm -hmm. instead of not doing that, right? <laughs> and whatever that is, just like you know, the veterans who are finding ways of dealing with post-traumatic stress, whatever the way that works best, yeah, go with that. You know, it's not wrong. Mm -hmm. It's a way forward. And I, you know, in my old age, I like to say, huh, <laughs> I've become very accepting of any modality that gets us closer to the source, you know, mm -hmm. whatever that is. Obviously, combining music and mushrooms is fascinating <laughs> for me. <laughs> so we're going to talk about it. But I just, you know, to anyone listening, I just encourage you, if you're on a spiritual path, keep doing that, right? Yes. And Whatever the modality is that works, fine, great. Play around with others. If you find something that works or it aligns or you can combine the two or three or whatever they are, then for heaven's sake, yeah, do that because the world needs it. You know, we're, we're at a place where we've got to do that. At yes. least those of us who are aware of it have got to do that because <laughs> there's a lot who aren't and don't care. And, and, you know, whatever, that's fine. But isn't it phenomenal how this explosion of interest in psychedelics for intervention, like to just to stop drinking, to stop being tra traumatically stressed, all of the other ways that psychedelics are saying, hey, there's a, another way, there's a way forward. And it's pretty dramatic, actually, to see people changing. Oh, yeah. That, this is an incredible time to be alive, whatever it's the modality is that you're offering. So, uh, so music. Ha. 
I, I agonized, you guys. I agonized. Should I use music? Should I not use music? <laughs> and I, I here, the thing I finally decided was I didn't want to bring any baggage with me. And if I chose music that I know, um, all of that music has associations of one kind or another, mm-hmm. just by virtue of the fact that I know it. And I didn't want any of that to be uh, triggered by music that found me in the psychedelic journey. But ultimately, I talked to my guide about it and said, hey, and explained the situation. And what they suggested was to use music that I hadn't ever heard before, and they sent me the playlist. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> now I have this existential dilemma. I don't want to listen to <laughs> Right? I don't want to prejudice myself in any way, good or bad. So I went in blind and just took the playlist that, um, that they'd made for this. And I will say that one of the first thoughts I had at the end of the journey was that I know nothing about music. Everything I've learned about music, mm. bullshit, doesn't matter. Mm. That's not the wow. point. Right? It's mm. totally not the point. <laughs> so, and that was a revelation. But more than that, um, having the music there was a familiar thing for me, even though the music was completely new to me, because that was sort of the foundation of the psychedelic journey itself. So this music that I'd never heard served to guide me. It was like having a trip sitter in addition to the trip sitter, right? Mm-hmm. That, that minded me through the process and gave the head brain something to do while the rest experienced what was being done. And I'm so grateful that for whatever reason, that's how it came down because it wouldn't have been that way if I'd brought in songs, you know, that I like or tried to construct a playlist, you know, I'd like make all that. It wouldn't have been the same thing. Mm-hmm. I would have been invested in the success of the music I chose or something. <laughs> like, don't bother me, right? I'd rather be. Um, and having said all that, so the other quick upfront thing is um, now I want to try the same journey with no music. Right. I'm so curious on your perspective in particular when, when that happens. Mm-hmm. Right. I, 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 <laughs> I, I just like I have had some incredible mushroom experiences with music. Uh, overall, I have kind of shot away from music within the experience um, because just like you said, it's like having a trip sitter there. It's having a, it's having a direction and it's such a kind of compelling and hot topic within the psychedelic world, whether sure. or not what you should play, if you should play, how long you should play, all of that. Uh, and from someone's perspective who, who has so deeply and well-versed in music as a therapy and now coming into psychedelics as a therapy, there has to be... there there. I think that there is a kind of a targeted, a targetable applicability of music in the psychedelic space and that there are times and people who will benefit best from music and times and people when they won't. I had an uh, interesting individual one time who came to, uh, to me for work and he did a couple of sessions. His first one, he insisted on having music for it. 
and it was just this very playful experience. He, he came for very deep depression. His second experience, I suggested that he not do the music, that he, you know, try it without. He did that, and he had this journey where there were the nature was speaking to him metaphorically in some very painful ways, but it helped him process his experience with depression and PTSD. And then his last trip with me, he said, look, the second trip was just too hard. Uh, I want to go back to the music. I have a playlist here that is specifically a psilocybin playlist for depression. I said, that's, you know, I want you to do whatever feels right. He did that. After two weeks after that trip, he called me and said, I should have listened to you. The playlist for depression just completely distracted me from processing the material that I needed to go through. So like finding that balance where it is most help, because that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking right, to right. help. Yeah. And, and you're not going to derail yourself, but now he knows, right? So that's part of the experience too. Mm-hmm. As it yeah, would oh, be, absolutely. You know, in any case where you're going to find music that, that resonates for you and finding that music is a lot more interesting than, um, Oh, I like this song or I don't like that song. Right. Yes. Because we know of all of the ways music works, you can really get dialed in on some music that, that takes you exactly where you need to be. To, to be honest with you, the, the more, more curious thing for me about music is how we can use it in integration. Mm. Where we actually start to put the pieces together. Yeah. Mm. And I like to align a particular playlist or song with the process that I'm going through. So there's a purpose for that. And I feel that, you know, especially in the journey itself, that it's just openness. It's not about anything except receiving at that moment. Mm. And whatever lets that reception happen um, most profoundly is what we want. Sometimes it can be scary, but for the most part, just allowing that, just that seems like the place. And then later on, right? How do we take what we've found or what's come to us and integrate that with whatever our particular um, opportunity might be? And maybe it's releasing stress or maybe it's, you know, um, finding a new way forward in work or completely moving and jumping to the other side of the country, right? What, whatever the big decisions are that you have to make um, or that feel like big decisions. Actually, they're just steps along the line, right? Those are the places, I think, where music can really come in and do the work. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be music that appeared as part of the journey itself, but it might become part of the subsequent journey, you know, that takes you along and maybe gets used in the next psychedelic journey as Mm. well. It's, uh, we don't really even know what the power of music looks like, but I'll be honest with you, it's way more powerful than most of us understand way more. And to bring that kind of power into a place where you're so vulnerable, is a huge risk. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, whether or not you realize it, it's a huge risk. Mm-hmm. And so allowing music to find you on a psychedelic journey is, um, it can be a very wonderful opportunity, or it can be a very terrifying one. And I had both of those emotions in my own journey to music that I've since heard. And it's like, wow, I wonder why I felt that way at that moment. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's fine to wonder, but on the other hand, it's probably not, it's, it's not CPU cycles I need to spend. <laughs> it, it happened. Why judge it? Why, why try to explain it? Right. Mm-hmm. But notice that it happened is way better than 
why did this happen to me, right? It was like, I'm going to figure out why I felt so bad or whatever it was. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you got there. And if that was a new place, now you know you can go there again. So I was going to say that I'm so biased when it comes to uh, music and uh, journeying uh, with mushrooms because I've never actually listen to music during all of the mushroom experiences that I've had. I've never one time listened to music because I thought not, not that I haven't thought about it. No, no, I thought about it, but when I've gone to play it, something within me has said, no, no. And, and because usually for me, the, the experience in itself is so like, it's so auditory Everything, all the little sounds in the environment become this magnified personality uh, that I, I can't, it's been really hard for me to imagine layering on top of that. Um, but then I thought, well, hey, Courtney, you know, you do have a psychedelic experience with music. And that is when I gave birth to our, um, mm-hmm. to our 18-month-old daughter. I had a whole playlist that I created and it definitely helped me. <laughs> it certainly helped me move through all those waves and uh, bring her into the world. Um, so that's and, and that brings me to um, talking about uh, transitions in life and uh, coming coming in and really uh, transitioning out uh, of this life. And I saw, on the musiccare.net site where you're talking about that. And and that's something that I had honestly never considered is yeah. music while transitioning out of this life. So I'm curious, have you had any experience with anyone in that area yet? Or I've been very privileged to play for people who are near the end of life. And then in one case, also again at their funeral or memorial. And it's a way, I think, of helping those of us who are left to maintain some continuity. But I have yet to hear from anyone in that place what it was like, you know, to experience that as, mm-hmm. as they were part of the transition. Um, often people are not in a place where they can, uh, you know, explain what's going on. But again, with that spiritual component, something that finds you in a spiritual way at a moment of you know great crisis in your life or at a transition moment is going to be something that you hang on to. And I can share a somewhat personal experience about this because I think you made the right observation. And I don't know if you did this on purpose, but you said this, the, the psychedelic trip of giving birth, right? That, that came to you as if it was a psychedelic journey. And many of these experiences that happen uh, for people, whether they're passing on or they're transitioning, uh, feel like an ego death, the letting go of some huge thing that is no longer important to hold on to. Uh, even with the moment of birth, you've done your work, it's time to let the child come to the world and, and assume their place, you'll take their place, right? And whatever makes that transition happen is, is a beautiful thing. Uh, when I was facing suicide, I had a music-induced uh, journey, 
And I just used the same song over and over and just put it on repeat. And it kept me from taking my own life to be with that mm -hmm. music. And I committed that I would just stay with the music until that something had changed. And something did. I mean, bigger than, you know, not killing myself, something changed. And that thing that changed has inspired me since whatever it was, 2007, to continue to do this work with music and be an advocate for it and help other people, you know, understand what it is. It's like it, it fired up my will to do that somehow. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I can't tell you that it was physical, mental, or emotional. All of those things have come along with the process. So something spiritually changed and uh, convinced me that I needed to be in this work and to do what I do. And more and more, that's pivoted away from helping people fix stuff with music because music therapy is out there and there's so many ways that, you know, interventions that are available to people clinically. And that's not my, my, my world. My world is the world of offering people a sort of continuity of experience. You know, if you give a concert, there's going to be a moment at which everybody's lighter comes out and we sing the big ballad with the band, right? It's, it's finding the arc of that experience and bringing that to people in a musical way that's satisfying and then helping people do that for themselves. Um, this is a great question that I could ask you guys as a couple. Do you guys have a sex mixtape? <laughs> uh, I have a playlist that I like. <laughs> well, that's, that's, you know, that's more than most, right? Yeah. Should we say what it is out loud? We can. It's pure, pure sex dub chill. Yeah, it's that? a sexy it's, dub. On Spotify? It's probably, yeah. yeah, it's like a, a yeah. Spotify, gener uh, Spotify yeah. created playlist. Okay, so using a Spotify list. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, yeah. not like so, one that's curated. Some, someone made the playlist, I think, and published it to Spotify. Either way, whatever. It's, yeah. yeah. So my challenge is for you guys to, to find your own, to make your own, and actually talk about what songs go into mm. it. And mm. then more importantly when those songs happen you might have a song you might have a playlist that lasts an hour you might have a playlist that lasts five minutes right but there's going to be an arc to that playlist where it eventually crests and then releases mm. hmm. and that idea of once upon a time you know then things get complicated then the hero does something great and then <laughs> after that story arc mm -hmm. is also the arc of uh, at least of my psychedelic journey but it was the arc of the music that I used for uh, my suicide intervention, my own personal intervention from the suicide. And I found in so many ways that that arc is part of even single songs. They do that arc mm -hmm. because that's what we do, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Giving birth has the same shape, right? Mm -hmm. Emotional mm -hmm. journey has the same shape. The heroic journey itself has the same shape. Mm -hmm. And that music has that shape doesn't surprise me. But as I begin to think about it more and more, I realize that the music that really transports me or the playlists that really get me there also have that shape. Hmm. And it's a really, really important thing because it's fundamental to, to life itself. That's the shape of our lives. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you, you're, you're first. Well, I just don't want to gloss over this... Uh, you know, your, your suicide intervention, um, you know, having struggled myself with uh, keeping myself here on earth, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there's so much more of value in that story that could help others. Um, I am most immediately curious 
in how you brought yourself to did did you did you have create a playlist to serve as an intervention was it something that came about kind of randomly or synchronistically consciously how how did how did you bring those two together how yeah how did you bring that into your process of getting through it's it's a great question unlike the the psilocybin journey at that time in 2007 um, I had been living with a piece of music that was important to me for many years. I'd heard it first, like it woke me up on a clock radio one morning. And I thought I was tuned to a classical station, but this music sounded like new age music. And I'm like, what's George Winston doing on this classical music station? It took me a few years to find out. We didn't have the internet. It took me a few years to find out what it was. And eventually I learned it and I performed it in my senior recital. And it's been in my you know, sort of back pocket repertoire for a long time. So I know it, you know, inside and out. I'm like really familiar with this music. It's um, <laughs> it's a Rachmaninoff piano piece, an etude tableau, and if you're keeping score, I think it's Opus 39, number two in A minor. But it doesn't matter. It's called Seagulls. And um, as you can, as you hear this music, you get this picture of a sort of a cloudy day with a low cloud cover and grayness and seagulls orbiting over the Sill Ocean. And um, that image is a good one. So at that moment, which was really a desperate moment, I, I had found um, the end of the second marriage that I had. All the kids were, were launched. They were off. My daughter had come out to me that summer after she graduated, was off to college, and um, all the cats had died. You know, it was like <laughs> this mm-hmm. moment of singular aloneness, and everything else in life was just sort of a mess as well. And... Uh, I needed something to grab onto. And I knew enough about what I was doing with music care at the time to say, I can probably survive this. So I promised myself that I would put this piece of music on repeat, put on the headphones, sit in the chair, and I would stay there until something had changed. And if nothing had changed, you know, I could find a rope or a gun or something tomorrow or whatever it was, it was in the evening. And so I put the music and I just let the music play. And the music has that shape. It's the same song. It's, I don't know, seven minutes long. It has that shape over and over, over and over. And um, I don't know, I must have cried a lot. It, was, it wasn't a pleasant experience, you know. But I remember uh, clearly at some point the sun had gone down. It was dark hours later of waking up. Like I, was, I became conscious again and was completely wrung out and put myself to bed and woke up the next morning. And as I woke up, without any expectation of anything, there were words in my head. And it was that kind of thing where the words are in your head and you've got to find a place to write them down before you lose them. And I did that. And I realized that I was writing it down that I was writing the lyrics to a song. And I'm like, well, this is great. I've got no music, but I've got lyrics. Where am I gonna get the music? Bang, the music started coming. I had the melody, I had the chords, the whole thing, it was just like, you know, by noon, this whole thing was done. It was song. It was written down. It was like, you know, I'd gone to whatever the computer that I had and written it down. And then I thought, because, you know, this is what Bill does. <laughs> I thought, well, this is great. Now I got this song. Who in the world is ever going to want to perform this? And I kid you not, you guys, just as clear as you can hear me now, the voice in my head said, you are. Now, I don't sing. <laughs> 
But I took the bait and I took the challenge and I performed that thing two or three times. Um, and it's really weird, but I do, it's a happy sort of upbeat shuffle kind of a thing in your face words, you know, about I'm, I'm back, you know, don't mess with me. And why aren't you with me on board doing this thing together? Uh, I, I play it in performance or played it in performance immediately after the suicide song. So I had this, hmm. you know, this melancholia, this deep dive into depression, followed by this happy, upbeat shuffle. And the contrast works so well. <laughs> so mm. I don't know if the people have survived that, but I, I saw the looks of surprise on their faces when I did it the first time. And uh, it's that memory has sort of been pivotal to me because oftentimes I think, especially at that moment of deep darkness on the heroic journey, you're like, well, what the hell happens next? How am I going to survive this? Having done it once or twice, I have a little bit more confidence that even though it looks a lot scarier, I can probably do it again. And that's even changed in the years since then to where I want to do it again. Like I seek out the next journey. What's, what is it? Bring on the shadow work, right? I, <laughs> I'm ready for this. And I think, Eric, you mentioned it. it's sort of like the pain that unites us, right? We all share pain. Whatever it is, uh, we can connect on that. And when we do in that space, it transforms the pain. We, have, we can talk it out or we can let it go. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if it's music present or not, but that connection allows us to, to sort of not minimize it, but to release it. Maybe a little of it, maybe all of it, mm -hmm. I don't know. But it released that. And when all of a sudden you find you're looking across the table at a human being. Maybe they don't vote the way you are, but they share the, the way you do it. They share your pain, you know. They share the pain of um, maybe it's a, a difficult birth. I know guys are never going to know this stuff, right? But I've seen women connect over natural childbirth in ways that are so touching. You know, um, maybe it's the passing of a loved one. We always connect around that. And there's a place for music in that space. But the more important thing is that we, um, whatever, however we got there, you know, we're able to reach across the table, take the person's hand and say, you know, we're here. We did this. So, um, I, yeah, that, that suicide experience um, helped me understand that, first of all, it's survivable. Um, secondly, that it's probably not something we discuss as much as we ought to. Amen. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, and it, and it's, it's an indication that there's an opportunity in the room, like there's this heroic journey that's waiting for you. And you don't have to exit the journey before it starts. It might feel like that's easier. Mm-hmm. But hanging on has such incredible benefits, provided oh. you can, you know. And, and I know there are times where, you know, like the samurai who takes his life because it's honorable. Mm -hmm. um, I know that stuff's out there too, but I understand it more now, right? Because the heroic journey may end with your death, you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe wow. it doesn't. That is uh, so incredible for you to share that. And, and what it really highlights for me is that I think I think that there is the perception that the caretakers don't have these similar experiences. Oh, that, yeah. You know, and you as someone who is so deeply involved in helping others feel supported through music and, and going through that and needing your own support, needing support yourself is another aspect of this work that is really not talked about. And there's an incredible fear 
among caretakers that if they talk about their own struggles, that they won't be trusted, that they won't be seen as competent. And the truth yeah, is actually, that, there's a clinical, um, I don't know what it's called. Like there, there's a, there's a wall up there. You have to set that boundary. You can't talk about your own stuff if you're giving care. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's how we connect. So I, I agree with you. It's not only how we connect, but it's, it's how we can show others that there is another side, that there isn't, there is mm-hmm. an afterwards that you yep. can come out of this. And, you know, uh, it's just so powerful. Yeah, just, I mean, you sharing that story here, who knows, may listen to this and remember, remember, okay, <laughs> Bill wrote a song the next day. Yeah, it wrote and me. And performed it. Like it that, you. <laughs> that was the crazy. Well, what I've been able, what you spoke to and what has been really powerful in my experience, you know, even in the last few days, I, I went through a really challenging uh, few days here, but yesterday... I noticed that the perspective that I had that was different as I was kind of pushing through this, coming out of this other side, is that previously, you know, years, three to five years ago, when I would have spent that time thinking of like how I'm going to end this thing, yesterday I spent my time knowing that there would be a sunrise. I've seen it so many times now that there will be a dawn that comes after this dark. And if we can help people understand that and the darker it is, then the brighter it becomes. It seems like anyway. Amen. Wow. So powerful. Yeah. Your website, you really spoke to so many incredible topics and, you know, Courtney brought up this end of life and the, the, just, there's so much that I would really encourage people to go check out your website, your various websites, uh, and, you can get to uh, all of we'll, them from provide links to Bill Prosser. Prosser. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think you. Yeah. yeah. Bill yeah. There's uh, uh, Instagram presence too for folks who are not as old as I am. <laughs> at uh, Music Care Quest is what it's called. Music Care Quest. I, I, I look at this whole okay. thing as a quest. This is, you know, it's not life. We have a purpose. And just like a video game, you know, our purpose is to keep leveling up. Mm-hmm. Well, you not want to know what's at the end. You know what? What, what does the last mushroom castle look like? It's like <laughs> who wouldn't want? And and that's it's not for everyone. And I'm good with that. You know, not all of us view life as a quest, but I can't help but do that mm-hmm. when when it becomes a spiritual journey, right? When you start to say, "Oh yeah, the shadow journey. Here we go again." You know, bring it on. That's a beautiful thing. And once you release all the sort of judgment about that. Well, I don't like the shadow journey, right? And what one more time with the shadow journey? It's like there's lots of responses to that. <laughs> but once you say, okay, fine, you know, it's a video game. I might die. I might live, you know, and there's always more life, right? Once you think it's almost over is mm-hmm. when there's your new mm-hmm. life awaits. That becomes a marvelous mindset. Yes. And anything that supports that mindset is like, yeah, let's do that, right? Yes. Yes. So I've, I'm really curious if you can speak to kind of psychedelics, music, big picture. I don't know what your thoughts are in terms of, you know, you went through the cleric training with us. And so to what extent you are interested in getting involved professionally within the psychedelic world, uh, you know, I'm personally curious about. But for this conversation, even more so, 
if you were to be a, say, like a music advisor to the psychedelic industry, what do you think you would try to convey to therapists, clinicians, spiritual practitioners, just across the board? How, how would you, how do you talk about this to the industry? You know, this is a great question. I've given a lot of thought to it too, because uh, first of all, I'm curious, but there is so much um, new music being made right now. John Hopkins, not Johns Hopkins, but John Hopkins, the composer is, and, and several others are making tons of music right now. And if you've never used music in a purposeful way, it's probably a good idea, should you want to use music during a psychedelic journey, to find some music that has no connections for you, that's brand new. Mm -hmm. And maybe you allow your guide to put that together so that you really have never heard it before, right? And, mm -hmm. and start the journey with music that way. Uh, I'm still not so sure that I'd want to go back into the psychedelic journey with music that I know well. Although, like, I, like the experience of uh, that suicide intervention, I knew that music inside and out. I didn't have to listen to it to be able to have the music with me. I mm -hmm. could have done it without headphones. But mm -hmm. the stimulus in my ears kept me grounded, like kept me on the ground, right? so I didn't get out of the chair. So I think there's a purpose to that. But uh, to the music industry right now, everybody, not just folks who are writing psychedelic music, to everybody out there, uh, we have a, an, an opportunity here at this moment to invite people to a deeper understanding of how music works. The, the science is there, right? There's plenty of it. All you have to do is read a few pages and you can go on stage and say enough to invite people to take music more seriously that way, which is a terrible way of putting it, but I, I think that gets the point across. Instead of it just washing over us or you know, being entertainment or background, what we know about music is so profound that anyone who appreciates the modality can be invited into a deeper use of it, a deeper purpose for it. And if that's psychedelic, that's great. If you're, you know, at a rave, that's great. It doesn't matter. The music is going to work on you. And being aware of that, I think, is the opportunity here mm. for whatever the purpose is. And obviously, we're in the psychedelic space, so we want to create that awareness here as well. And I know the focus has been on the journey itself, but to, to circle back to this, the music that you use can help you in the integration process as well. It's been incredible for me to have music as I work through the integration process. Just incredible. I don't know how I do it otherwise, but you know, I'm a musical guy, so that's me. You know, uh, maybe other people um, prefer to work through that with a faith advisor or some sort of a, a motivational counselor or life coach. Uh, that opportunity is incredible. I mean, what so, if your life coach were to be able to help guide your music mm -hmm, and your mm -hmm, journey, mm -hmm. post-trip journey through integration? You know, that's an incredible opportunity. Yeah, I saw the term music, I think music coach on yeah, yeah. your website, which was something I, I I have never personally heard before. And I'm, I'm really curious about, but um, I'm really interested in what that looks like for you as far as your music and integration process. I feel like, like this is such a huge like? open oh, yeah. subject that we could just go on. But I, yeah, please talk about that so one of the things that's fun for me is teaching how to apply a, a particular purpose um, at, supported with music so if your purpose is being more kind you know you, you've been a 
pretty much an asshole all your life. And now you realize suddenly that kindness is the way forward. <laughs> However, you came to that, you know, realization. It's like, yes, good. Okay. We're tired of you being an asshole. Whatever you are. <laughs> and, and, and you want to change. Okay. So, but if you've been that all your life, you don't know what kindness is. It's sort of out there. It's like, I've never done that before. What is this like? I've never been compassionate before. What does that feel like? And, the, the question is, yes, what, it's, what does it feel like? So as a coach, what I do with people in music is to say, okay, your objective is kindness. Let's find some music that aligns you with what it feels like for you to be kind. And oftentimes people are like, well, I've never been kind to anybody in my life, right? I'm being kind of ridiculous here. But uh, what does it feel like when you're kind to yourself? What are the emotional, uh, what's the emotional content of that? Because once you can identify an emotional thing or several, and often there are several, uh, you can find music that supports that, and mm -hmm. it becomes your kindness music. And remember, what you're getting out of that is you're kind physically, you're kind mentally, you're kind emotionally, and you're kind spiritually. You get it all when you have music that aligns that way. And of course, it's got to be music that works for you, and if you're not musical, then it's a, a challenge. You're not talking to me, you're talking to somebody else, right? But if you're musical and you, and you find this, and putting that song together with the intention for kindness, amplifies everything. It like exponentializes everything. Because mm -hmm. as human beings, we don't we can't resist, right? We can't tell our heart to beat slower. I mean, some people are good at that, monks and stuff who meditate. Mm -hmm. But if you put on a piece of music, your heart is going to entrain to the beat. Your breath is going to follow. If kindness is your intention, you're going to feel the emotions that or start to feel the emotions that you think you want. And music is going to help you there. It's help guide you into those feelings. And then, of course, the spiritual thing, which is like, why am I being kind at all? What is it about kindness? Like, it's, it's, I can't take a kindness temperature of myself, but you feel this thing. Like, there's something inside you that we have no words to describe. We always talk about it metaphorically, you know. And, and that then powers your effort to become more kind. Eventually, over time, uh, neuroscience kicks in and you, and you actually change the way that your brain thinks about doing kindness, neuroplasticity, right? Mm -hmm. And that becomes a habit, which is actually a very good one to teach yourself if you are intending to be more kind. And anytime you hear the music and it takes just a few notes you can remember, you don't have to hear them, just remember the few notes of your song and your body instantly responds. Your physiology, entire physiology responds to that and you're kind. It's just that simple. Yeah, that's beautiful. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Like thinking about that taking any emotion, whatever yeah. the lesson is from your mushroom experience that you're trying to incorporate into your life to go and find music that imparts those values and that emotional context. That's mm -hmm. I can't say it's, it's so simple, right? Simple, right? But but why wouldn't what, we? <laughs> what, what an impact! But I've never heard it spoken about in this I way. Know, I've yeah. never heard integration. Me either. I mean, Isn't we've been. We've been reading um, the book that's just sweeping the nation right now, <laughs> Jose Silva's Mind oh, Control. <laughs> I got to bring it up because he's he, 1970s sweeping the it's nation. It's coming back. All right. <laughs> he, <laughs> he talks about going, he, but he calls it going to your level. And uh -huh. he talks about um, getting in this alpha state, mm -hmm. utilizing a memory or like a happy place. Yeah, and practicing uh, over time, it takes longer at first. Like um, yep. you know, say it takes like twenty minutes when you first start practicing to like get to your happy place or your level, your alpha state, 
whatever you want to call it. But then after like 60 days, you can just take three seconds and get right there. And then that's where you can enter into your uh, reprogramming uh, places. Well, you know, you talked about changing neural physiology, which has me curious about music and, and physical healing. What kind of evidence do we have around music as a, a healing device for physiological ailments, if any? So uh, the, the quickest way to answer this question is to point out how uh, everything that's organic responds to a specific identifiable frequency. And that frequency can either be supportive or destructive. So the, the people have done this research. is actually a company right now that deploys this therapy um, for treatment of cancer have discovered that you can literally blow up cancer cells with the right frequency. So uh, I don't know how the treatment works, but uh, Google Music Cancer, you'll find TED Talks, you'll find this company. I think both the guy who discovered the therapy and the company that has now productized it are available as TED speakers. But uh, can you imagine going in for treatment, and you can't even hear the frequencies, they're too high, going hmm. in for treatment of cancer, and I don't know, you sit between the speakers or something. I don't know what, I don't know how it looks, right? Maybe they do it with ultrasound. And, um, and your cancer is destroyed. And they say it works so much better and it's so much less uh, dangerous than chemotherapy or radiation because mm. only the cancer cells respond. All the other cells are fine. They're at a different frequency. Wow. Yeah. wow. So um, that's, that's profoundly um, game-changing when it comes to music and healing or sound and healing. You don't even need Absolutely. music to see specific frequency. Wow. But uh, we've all been in places where music has given us a, an emotional release of some kind, crying in church or whatever it is. And, and that kind of therapy um, is one of the things that music therapists are really good at this. That kind of therapy is one that can be so beneficial when you're dealing with trauma. And a music therapist who's also sort of a trained psychologist can guide you through that process. Uh, there are, um, let's see, so many other ways. Well, I've mentioned guitars for vets where trauma is actually, uh, the symptoms are being released. I don't know if we call that healing or not. There's this, there's this sort of, you know, amorphous space around healing. Mm-hmm. But I would like to mention sound healing, which is popular. Lots of people doing this right now with crystal bowls and Tibetan bowls. And, uh, it, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing it with. If you're, if you're experiencing sound healing, it's a really great thing. Because if you go to a sound healing session or concert, you're bringing something really, really important that we don't often bring to any other kind of concert, which is your intention for health. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's like well, why wouldn't you bring your intention for health to a symphony? You know, <laughs> but if you're doing it in sound healing, so combining the intention with a modality, especially when it's music, because of all those reasons, is so powerful. And the fact that there's, you know, this awareness of the intention, and people who want to do this for a reason is, I don't know how much a percentage, but it's a huge percentage of the healing process, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, an alcoholic who wants to get sober mm-hmm. is the first step, <laughs> and it unlocks everything else. And mm-hmm. behind that, whatever the modality is, from music to medicine, it'll flow. Although we are finding so many ways that music and medicine are so alike in their effects. So, um, yeah, <laughs> go for it, people. <laughs> you know, bring that healing. Hmm. I haven't yeah. had any um, physical healings to music. I should be clear about that. But I've had plenty of emotional ones. 
But there was someone on your website that was bringing that up that maybe it was after a major surgery. Um, Oh, the the guy who was having uh, chemotherapy cancer treatment? Maybe. Yeah, maybe that was it. He said that instead of taking this, all these medications, um, which I, I can't remember if he said he had been taking them or just didn't want to or whatever it was. He used music instead um, just to feel better. Mm. I think it was pain medication. Wow, music is pain relief. Yeah, that's pretty popular. Mm-hmm. There's neuroscience that shows how and why. You know, provided you choose the right music, mm-hmm. you don't want to have music that's going to increase your pain. Mm. <laughs> and it's highly individual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the big sense, so music therapy has been used successfully to treat uh, autism spectrum disorder and Alzheimer's and mm-hmm. dementia. The memory care things respond really well to music therapy. And uh, obviously the research continues, right? There's going to be lots more of that kind of thing. Uh, you can do music psychotherapy, which is kind of cool. It's only for musicians because you, you actually sit at the piano and improvise music that you sing to and you and your therapist sing the session. Wow. Yeah. And this is so good because when you're doing that, you're talking from your inner child rather than from your, you know, head brain processed, filtered stuff. So it gets right to your inner child and the work is much quicker that way. <laughs> well, and you know, again, that goes back into emotional healing leading to physiological healing, tied back into Jose Silva when it's the reprogramming. If you can create a, a little ditty that you can sing through your day that it will reprogram your subconscious. What this really highlights for me is this interface between the physical and the non-physical. Yes. Yes. It is vibration. Especially you're talking about undetectable or to our ears anyway, tones that can bring about physical healing, which is always kind of the the playground for me in terms of uh, worldly experience is how we as humans and now, like, I want to try to play with the animal world versus the human world and the animal music versus human music. And, and what is it that is emanating from, from the human being, from the birds, from the, the trees and everything that is, is releasing some kind of vibration? It's just we are swimming in mystery. Wow. You, you said all that. Right and it was like the piano started yeah. playing the musical group. Right. Right. Then, I love it. It was like it became a movie yeah. as you were yeah. saying this yeah. thing the music let's go esoteric for a minute because you're i think what you're saying eric is really important for people who are at a level of awareness that they get that like all all is one right you get the feeling of your connection to every living thing and even the sort of more inanimate things you know i'm not gonna make a rock roll uphill with with music that's not the point (laughs) but you get this sense of of belonging you know a sense of place within the larger universe of stuff that vibrates um, the mushrooms themselves illustrate that for us. Mm. The connection and the communication that exists within a community of mushrooms, right, is, is phenomenal. We don't even really understand it yet. But it reaches into um, quantum entanglement, where something that happens thousands of miles away affects something that happens right here. Uh, and as physics gets further and further down this road, I think they'll be able to tell us why these things are happening. But with the awareness of a mushroom journey, you suddenly find yourself in that place of vast connectivity to all of it. I don't know if it's alpha state or beta state or any of that other stuff, but it feels like 
there's a communication that's taking place, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and you hear and see and feel and sometimes taste and smell things that have been there all the time with a new awareness, including our oneness with anything, any of the creatures that are out there and most of the universe, you know, if you feel it that way. Uh, music has found me there many times. And so I was, it was a familiar place when I found that along the mushroom journey as well. And since then, uh, we were flying in this tiny plane out of Vermont to Boston earlier this week. It was Sunday or something. And it was, the plane was so small, you had a 360 view. I mean, you could literally look at everything. Mm. And I was overwhelmed at one moment with how, um, how insignificant, you know, we were in this tiny little plane. But at the same time, how much a part of everything it all was. There was no music playing. There was just this understanding. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I've been here. Hmm. And I'm going to be here many times again, you know. Mm. And you get an awareness of what is going on around you that is so much different when you open to that. Like you can feel what people are thinking or feeling without seeing them, you know. You, you feel their presence. Um, touch is a very important part of making music on an acoustic piano. You feel it in your fingertips. And since becoming more open to that, the sense that I have of touch has changed in a way that I can't explain. It's energetic in some way. Since your mushroom? Yeah, since the mushroom. Okay. It's mm -hmm. like a, a new kind of receptor that I didn't know I had mm -hmm. <laughs> was there. And... For heaven's sakes, if that can happen, <laughs> what are we waiting for? <laughs> right? Um, I have, I'm involved in a podcast that's about uh, applying grace more uh, skillfully, let's say. And particularly in the political realm, uh, that's a difficult topic. But guess what? There are people writing about it now that weren't, it, it wasn't even something that existed as a thought before the pandemic. And now there are books out there about how to be, you know, graceful to each other. Mm. Not in a religious sense, but just being, you know, kind <laughs> mm. and learning how to do that. And so uh, in those spaces, I just feel like there's this swell of, uh, I don't know, maybe it's an esoteric need that we have to connect more authentically That's that's begun and we're in it. Mm -hmm. And mushrooms offer us a way to enhance that. Why not, right? Whatever it is that does that, why not? Let's go there. And, <laughs> okay, so I have, I like to call them psychedelic thrill seekers. So the, the folks who do ayahuasca every week or whatever, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> doing that, right? Keep doing that. Because if that's the kind of trip you need to keep you tuned and, and connected and patched in to the other, man, we need that. So go for it, right? And if that's and if you're microdosing and that's what it takes, do that, right? But for heaven's sakes, if you know about it, if you've experienced it once in your life, don't just say, "Oh, that was fine." Now I'm moving on. Yes. Stay with that, because we need you in that place. We want to connect with you in that place. All of us who are doing whatever we're doing at whatever level are part of it. Well, and this applies what you just said, and if it worked for you, if you experienced it and it was helpful keep doing that that reminds me of my experience with music that that says to me get back into the music eric like it was it was very powerful for you and for some reason you distanced yourself from it but it doesn't have to be that way yeah, you know? it's tapping on your heart saying you know i like to ask people right up front what's the music on your heart right now mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and that often sparks a conversation that can last an hour or more, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes people are like, gosh, I hadn't thought about it. This is so wonderful that we're having this conversation about music and they're right. Music, it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. It's, it is. So can you hear perfect. it? I, yeah, I can. And, you know, I play a lot for in unusual environments and sometimes it's crows flying overhead and cawing, you know, or a bee <laughs> will come by and buzz in my face as I'm trying to concentrate. It's all just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, I'm, I'm loving it. Our kids it love music. it when you, when you play music, back to you playing music. Our kids love it when you play music. Like, uh, I remember there was a day, it was like, Oh, but when I play music, when you play not, it. Not, like when I actually play guitar. Right, when you yeah, play yeah. the guitar, the guitar yeah. specifically is what I'm thinking of, mm -hmm. and the didgeridoo, mm -hmm. um, but. Yes, nice. But I remember one day it was like, it was in the winter last year and the kids were fussy and I think we had tried everything. And uh, you're like, forget it. I'm just gonna play a guitar. chords, <laughs> Drown out the tears. Right, <laughs> yes. And then they just were like, oh. and they just, mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it has a magical quality to it. There is no doubt. You know, what struck me when the music started playing was that that piano has been in there all along and that potential is there just waiting for the right person, the right inspiration, the spirit to come in and interface with it and bring it into a whole new life. We, we really do live in a magical, beautiful world. I wake up, I love waking up to the bird songs. And, you know, you're talking about kind of the, the physics of this. And I'm, I'm seeing, imagining in my mind every morning the sun rising and the cacophony of birds just chasing the sunrise around this globe. It, it, it is so beautiful and so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I want to ask another before we get too far off, because uh, there I think there's there's a tie-in somewhere here. But I saw in your website a statement, or maybe it was in one of the videos. I think you were talking about this music being occupying the space between entertainment and therapy. And to me, psychedelics are the, are very similar in that effect. Yeah. Right. Right. So can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's that's sort of a question that is intention-based. And if your intention is to find music therapy and to have a therapeutic relationship to solve a problem or advance some opportunity, um, that's much different than going to a concert. And it's just like, oh yeah, I'm here, bring it on, right? And that's a big space. There's a, there's a lot of space between therapy and entertainment. And in that space, there's so much opportunity. Hmm. Well, whatever level of awareness you have about music, the moment that you bring it into focus for a reason, for a purpose, is the moment that you enter that space. And there's lots of other people playing in that space, too. When you start to figure out what's happening, there are, um, there's contemplative Christianity is in that space, you know, between the entertainment that is most mega churches these days and the monasteries where people are just, you know, isolated. <laughs> there's a lot of space there, right? Yeah. And, and so if you enter through contemplative Christianity or through meditation, there's a big space there too, right? But between people who are into mind control on the one end and people who aren't into anything and don't care, uh, that's a big place where meditation has taken up space. And yoga, there's a bunch of practices in there, right? Uh, martial arts is in that space. So the space that is open for music as an opportunity is, is like that. Right. Um, I see that as a similar sort of space between 
I don't want to say anything clinical here, but between getting like medical treatment and doing nothing, <laughs> you know, and just sort of do whatever your situation is, letting it degenerate, there's this space where we can do self-care better. Mm-hmm. And in that place, there's so much opportunity to sound healing, all of that. Um, psychedelic therapy that you give yourself, you know, you can grow your own treatment at home. <laughs> this is so amazing. And it's like, well, this is brand new, but we've been doing it for thousands of years, right? At the same time, mm-hmm. it's like, well, this is obvious. Why wouldn't I do this? So uh, I, I sort of find myself in that it, it's not really liminal space, but if you're doing it right, it does come down to liminal space. What can you do in this place between music therapy and entertainment that is a, a fundamental part of who you are? Right? We all vibrate, we're vibrational beings. What can we do to support that skillfully? Mm-hmm. And if it's music, then I'm your guy, right? Nobody else is talking about this. Why is nobody else talking about this, Eric? I mean, seriously, <laughs> it's such a simple, easy thing to do. And yet, I, I like music, you know, I've, I've been to a couple of concerts, you know, and you say, what's your playlist for Road Rage? And they're looking at you like, what? <laughs> Why would I do that? Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you knew that it had, right? If you, if you knew that mushrooms could do this, why wouldn't you use them? Right. It's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. I still have to answer that question? <laughs> Let's just look around you. The psychedelic research is incredible. And, um, and so go, go us, right? Mm-hmm. But offering that um, other way, it's, it's not a mind game. It's not mindset. It's not emotional intelligence, those are all things that we figure out in our heads and then try to apply to the rest of us. The music is the holistic thing. And the head gets it last, you know, it's, we hear, and that does all the autonomic nervous stuff that we want. And with that, uh, we can tell the head what to do. The emotions will guide us. And I know that's really really weird to say, because people say, I don't like being angry. Music makes me angry. I don't like being angry. Who likes being angry? It's not about like, it's about you know, we have this resonator called a human body, and it resonates for anger just as easily as it resonates for joy. So, you know, get good with that and stop trying to stuff your anger, people, because, you know, that's leaking out all over the place and it's not pretty. <laughs> Find some flipping anger music and use it because you really need to, dude. <laughs> well, like our son, he, he, uh, like very, he's very emotional. And man, when he gets, when he gets, that anger gets angry. I will put on ACDC for him or Metallica yes, right or something. Yeah. And, and you'll, Dance you'll, around. You'll, you'll see him process it and work it out and be a different person in 20 yeah. minutes. There you go. I was skeptical at first. I'm like, this is, isn't this going to make it worse? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> well it you should be, right? It yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just energy. You got to spend it somehow. And, yeah. uh, you know, why not spend it skillfully <laughs> instead of going out there and breaking things and hurting people? It's, you know. Makes so much more sense to me. Absolutely. And our daughter, Absolutely. our one and a half year old, she loves she loves pop music. Mm-hmm. Anything oh. else? She's just like no. She goes no. But as soon as I put on pop, she goes. Yes. Yeah. And children watching children react to music is like that's where you really see the intrinsic value. Like boom, the immediate effect of these little antennas as they respond to it. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So here's an idea. You're going to love this one. And you can get quieter drums too, but we actually have djembes. Um, I've done drum circles for years where I put on recordings and everybody in the drum circle just plays along to the recording. And you can vary the beat and the tempo and all of that without having to give people instructions. And people just do that naturally. They just get it, right? So in the family, 
there's an amazing family dynamic that is strengthened by music. Because if you make music together, everything changes. Mm -hmm. You get to know each other in a way that you couldn't know each other if you didn't make music together. Even mm -hmm. if you're driving together, this works. So um, you've got at least two playlists there that you can drum along to. Now, it may not be that you like drumming along to that, but if you can do that, you start to understand the other person in a way that I can't really explain to you, but that I'm convinced is spiritual. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask what your relationship was like with your kids and music. Oh. There was some way that you all connected with music in the past or now. I used to run a, a like a family drum circle because I have three stepkids. And so Rebecca and I would drum with them. And that lasted until about middle school when they bailed out on it. But it, it was fine. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't teach any of my kids to play, although my two bio kids do. My son was a saxophone player and my daughter was a trumpet player, pretty high level all the way through high school. And then for various reasons, they stopped. So I think that that's just part of being in the presence of musical parents mm -hmm. and not something that you actually teach, right? You, you, don't just, you just encourage. And if that's listening widely, um, that's a huge encouragement, right? Or participating in some sort of music-making activity together as a family, that's a huge encouragement. It's not about, you know, performance. It's just about doing it together. And uh, I know, uh, I'm trusting with my stepkids, I know that that connection that we made through the drum circles and through participating in music together is one that's going to be sustaining. Mm. I can't tell you how that looks yet because they're not old enough, right? Mm. But I know that's going to be sustaining because I've seen it in so many other ways. I mean, mm -hmm. veterans that I've played with in cover bands are people that I've known more deeply than a lot of my other associates in the world of IT. And um, I'd prefer to be in the band because that kind of understanding and working together is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe in Sanctuary, what we do is, uh, you know, we stand up a drum circle, you know, yeah. post journey. Yeah. And, don't talk and just sit there and jump. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it does, you know, even with or without mushrooms, you know, it can just be independent of its own. Because sure. what, what this is bringing up in my mind anyway, is that it seems like music has the potential to bring play back into adult lives. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, so true. So true. Yeah, I do. I lead a sing-along one Saturday a month and, you know, 10 of us show up in the park and we put on music and sing to it. And if that isn't leading play, I don't know what is. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what, what kind of music do you just, what kind of music oh, just, do you select? I don't know, just, it's coming up this Saturday. We're doing um, songs connected to Route 66. So any song that happens to be somewhere between Chicago and L.A. is fitting in, <laughs> you know? Uh -huh. It's, I mean, wow. it can go pop, it can go old school, it can go musical. Um, we haven't done anything religious yet, but certainly we could do that. Uh, so just anything. I mean, I've got over a year's worth of playlists now stacked up for this, and I've deployed it. I'm actually deploying it for companies, because I think that in, you know, at least we got to try. we got to say to the people in those locked up corporate environments, yes. dude, it's time to play. It's safe. Yes. You, can, you, can do, you can handle this. You know, we're set up to sing. It doesn't have to be you know performance quality it's just about doing it together uh we learn and grow and perform so much better when we have some play in our lives amen i love so it crucial amen yeah I, I read i read that on your website um it, it mentioned 
post-COVID reintegrating back mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the office yeah. after after isolation, coming after back in. Other, and, you know, little boxes for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just try not to touch each other's faces. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to the day when we're not communicating through these little boxes, Bill. You have been Truly. really yeah. such an incredible member of our community and just love as a individual, I have such a, just such a respect for you and appreciation for everything that you've been through. You know, you've shared some of your stuff with us personally through your family and now talking about your struggles with suicide and, and bringing that forward to help other people find a way out and to find their soul, find that spirit that's in everyday life, that's in the music that is all around us. And I just, I just want to commend you and I want to thank you. And it has really been an incredible pleasure to have you on this show. And I hope that we get to speak with you again here as well. And I think that, I think that, you know, we've had some tertiary conversations around this, but this integration practice with music is something that is sorely needed in the psychedelic community. And I would love to talk to you more uh, outside of here about how we can bring that into the sanctuary community mm-hmm. and even beyond. I, I'd be happy. First of all, thank you. I'm so humbled. I I feel like I'm a long way away here out in California with all you guys in Kentucky. And, you know, that's like ground zero right now. And I'm like, oh, I want to be there. <laughs> so anything that I contribute can contribute, I'd be happy to, as you know. And and this work is so essential. What, what Courtney, what you and Eric and Athena and, and like now the board and it's like it's growing are doing is so important in our world for so many reasons that you guys already know. And, and I'm just I'm, I'm overwhelmed to be, a, you know, like a distant observer almost <laughs> out here in, you know, the Democratic Socialist Republic of California. <laughs> uh, but but we're going to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. We're going to this is something that is it's unstoppable. Yes. And to be mm-hmm. yes. part of the part of the guiding crew, right, in some way, uh, feels really good and really important. And I'm, I'm so glad to be part of it, you know, in whatever way I can come to the table, whatever guests I can share, happy to. Mm-hmm. Well, and awesome. it's only beginning. I mean, this is only, we've only known each other for about a year now. Right, right, yeah. And I already feel so connected to you. We have more members joining out in California. We got a really cool guy that just joined out in California we've been talking with lately. So it's it's yeah. it's growing. Of course we also have people moving from California to Kentucky and <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little by little. They start out saying, I just want to be closer. And then Pretty soon it's gonna be, oh yeah, those Californians are taking over everything. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, could be. Do you wanna you wanna ask Bill our Oh final? yeah. We always ask all of our guests here on Psilocybin says, what does Psilocybin say to you, Bill? Like now or like generally, yeah. you know, you thought you generally. had, you, you had this long anticipated experience yeah, and then you have had the experience. So what kind of, maybe if it's not from that singular experience, but in general, as you've been engaging with Psilocybin as a phenomenon, Right. Yeah. You know, what message does it convey to you ultimately at this point? And it will change, certainly. It's sort of what I mentioned back at the beginning about how everything I know about music is it doesn't matter. It's not important. The thing that is important is like the corollary to that. And what is important, I think, for myself more than anything else is acceptance. Whatever level you're coming to, uh, whatever you bring to this moment, 
I accept. Let's see what we can do. You know, mm-hmm. and maybe you're an advanced player and you have this incredible wealth of knowledge. I don't know what I'd say if like Paul Stamets were to call, right? But um, whatever it is, it's okay, you know. So, you know, thank you, Mushrooms, for that. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. That's, that I love a that. powerful message, yeah. Uh-huh. And it's one that I have received many times as well. Whatever it is, it's okay. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Good practical advice to take into. Yeah. Thanks so much, Bill. It really has been a pleasure, and look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Thank you, Courtney. It's Thank great you, to talk Bill. to you.